Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of A Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, I got a question for you. Okay. Do you do you wanna do you wanna go a little crazy today? Do you wanna wreck havoc <laughs> and let sip the dogs of war? <laughs> Are we spelling havoc with a C or a K? I don't know. It's also Cry Havoc, and I screwed that up so badly. Screwed that up <laughs> so badly. Folks, we're talking about Havoc today. You know Havoc. Man, Havoc's a dum-dum, isn't he? That's the thing that... <laughs> I feel like... I feel like thanks to... Thanks to Allison Central, friend of the show, uh, and her her influence on making sure everyone understands the himboology of Havoc... That Havoc being a dum-dum has become more prominent. But in the past, I wouldn't have thought of it. No, but when you read three back-to-back Havoc stories, you're like, gosh, this guy's a moron. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. She is, uh, she was 100% accurate in her assessment that Havoc kind of dumb. <laughs> and that's well, what we're going to find out today because we got three havoc stories and these are not late havoc stories these are three like pre jim lee havoc stories Mm -hmm. this is this is classic havoc and it's dealing with the things that havoc is best known for being really dumb (laughs) in egypt (laughs) right so who do we have to thank for uh this exploration of havoc this week we got patreon supporter robert uh who went on over to patreon.com slash comicsxf said, folks, I like what you're doing over here. I smell what you're stepping in. I would like to toss a couple coins into your coffers uh, so that you can keep doing that quality XF content that I crave and you crave and we all crave. Yeah, and we're starting with uh, a classic, Chris Claremont, Dave Cockrum, X-Men 97. This is, in fact, the first issue that Claremont solo wrote. Mm-hmm. Giant Size was by Len Wein. 94 mm-hmm. and 95 were plotted by Len Wein. And Claremont did the dialogue for them. 96, uh, Bill Mantlo. Uh, I forget how it's credited. I don't know if Mantlo's a plotter on this. It feels like a Mantlo plot. The Nagari mm. stuff. Yeah, for sure. But 97 is really when... Uh, when Claremont comes into his own, and boy howdy, is this a Christopher Claremont comic? <laughs> yeah, we're starting with Shakespeare quotes. Uh, we've got the this is the beginning of Xavier having his visions of Lalandra and uh, space war, and boy, there's a lot going on. Yeah, uh, this is the the antagonist of this one is Eric the Red. Ah, but which Eric the Red? Uh, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. It's Davan Shakari. Yes. I do find it very brother. funny that Cyclops is like, immediately, Cyclops says, how is Eric the Red real? I made him up. That was a costume right. I wore. <laughs> it's a great question. Um, 
but yes, uh, the Eric the Red from space um, has kidnapped and mind-controlled Havoc and Polaris in an attempt to kill Professor Xavier, who he knows Lalandra is reaching out to telepathically. Now, we don't really have the whole context of this story, obviously, um, just from this one issue. But it, it does result in a very large battle at an airport. Yeah, uh, step aside, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe's Captain America colon Civil War. This <laughs> this over here at... Is this at JFK or is this at Newark? Uh, I think it's JFK. It's whatever one, it's whatever one is... Yeah, it's JFK because JFK yeah. is by Jamaica Bay. Right. I don't... Here's, guys, I don't actually know uh, New York airports. I've never been to New York City. I've done a lot of traveling. Never been to JFK. Not once. Not a great airport. I've not heard uh, amazing things. I hear it's a very romantic <laughs> airport if movies are romantic. anything to go by. People wow. people just running up, stopping planes, saying, folks, this is my true love. <laughs> you never see that happening in O'Hare. You never see that happening in Charlotte. Not once at ATL. MSP, forget about it. There, there's a full TWA jet that uh, just gets like blown to smithereens here man no a lot a lot of stuff does get exploded uh because eric the red captures havoc and polaris names Mm. polaris polaris this is the first time this ever happens oh really what is she called she just called lorna dane before this yeah she was she was magneto's daughter oh okay that's all i never knew that yeah they never called her that so it's funny if you read uh x-men the hidden years which folks you shouldn't read x-men no, don't do that, don't do that unless you like honestly unless you like candy southern <laughs> there's no reason <laughs> to read x-men the hidden years it's uh, true. lorna has her first code name with which is magentrix which is a bad code name because she couldn't be called mm. polaris because uh eric the red gave her the name polaris well she's also wearing uh a, a uniform that most people are not familiar with, which is the uh the purple and green version of like she's got kind of the Doctor Strange cowl behind her head. She and, does uh, look a lot like Clea, doesn't she? She does, yeah, just with green hair. And obviously this doesn't stick around forever, but you know, it, it gives, sticks around gives her for more of a villainous than you think, look. My dude. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because, um, well, Havoc and Polaris are under Eric the Red's thrall for quite a bit of time. This is not just like a one issue thing, and then they're they're not. They get better. They eventually get. Better. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, so battle at the airport. Um, you know, Havoc and Cy- Cyclops is like, "Man, what are you doing, bro?" And <laughs> Havoc's like, "Well, I think I'm saving the world." Um, Colossus and Eric the Red fist fight. Storm is like, "I'm not playing games. I'm gonna take you down." Polaris shoots her out of the sky. And uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of really good Dave Cockrum art in this issue. Yeah, right? I was about to say Dave Cockrum, folks. Dave Cockrum, pretty good. Wolverine not really in this issue. He shows up at the very end just for Storm to kind of like be like, "No, dude, you're not going to be a psycho killer. You're going to answer to me," which I like. <laughs> well, Wolverine, I feel like they don't know what to do with Wolverine for the longest time. Sure. Yeah, like I'm true. trying to I'm trying to think of when Wolverine really comes into his own. Maybe 101 when uh, when you get like the beat of him bringing Gene the flowers and then being sad because he realizes <laughs> that Cyclops 
<laughs> yeah. her long-term boyfriend had already thought to bring her flowers. <laughs> yeah, it that... gets a little more cowboy in that issue, you know? Well, yeah, because right before then, uh, the actually the next issue after this, 98, is the first time you see him without his cowl on. Mm. That's but... right. That's right. Cock- uh, Cockrum's influence is very heavy in this one, and you can tell that because Nightcrawler is ostensibly the lead of the X-Men. Oh, sure. Love well, it. We get everything in this issue. Like, we get these, like, amazing uh, blacklight, almost-looking, like, space battles to begin with. We get these awesome fight scenes in the airport with things blowing up. And then at the very end, we also get this classic panel of... The, of um, is it Stephen Lang who's looking at them on the tarmac? It's uh, Stephen Lang is looking at them, and Eric the Red is looking at Stephen Lang looking at them. Absolutely amazing! Just a classic, classic battle. So great! It's insane. I don't, I don't understand it, <laughs> but I love it. Yeah, like, um, we get we get the Shi'ar starting to be like developed here as this is going to be an important thing for the X Men for the next. 40 issues and then also Mm -hmm. all of continuity like the hated and feared part of x-men doesn't like it's it's always there but it's not it's always there in the way that people hate spider-man and spider-man comics yeah (laughs) they're a nuisance it takes a little bit because chris chris claremont and dave cockrum are like i want to do a fun space story with these superheroes (laughs) and here's the thing okay i get it they aren't wrong. It is a fun space story. Yeah, and you're uh, going to get... This This leads right into the uh, Sentinels return in the next two issues, which is a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, we're like really in this this mode of just a great start with this creative team. And uh, it's, a, it's a blast. I really enjoy it. So uh, you want to try and rank this thing? Yeah, let's try and rank this on our ever-expanding, very, very long list of every X-Men story of all time, or at least 606 of them, uh, which we're ranking from best to worst, with the best X-Men story of all time being uh, the 2019 soft reboot, The House of X and Powers of Ten. Uh, number 100 being X-Men Volume 2, 1 through 3, Everything is Sinister. Uh, number 200 being Shatterstar, uh, the miniseries from a few years back. Number 300 is X-Men 27, A Song of Mourning, A Cry of Joy. Number 400 on our list is Generation X 62, Monet Vampire Hunter. Forgot about that one, didn't you? Number 500 <laughs> on our list is The Decimation Story from X-Men Volume 2, 177 to 179. Uh, number 600 on our list is New York X-Men 1 through 7. And then the Dracos at the bottom still. Always, always going to be there. As always, as always. Now it's, we have the beautiful thing about where the Draco's at is that we all get to remember the Draco all the time, and it's never <laughs> going to get dethroned. They'd have to make some really bad comics. It's the curse of the Draco. Uh, all right, we have the next couple issues. Like I just mentioned, the Sentinels arc all the way up at thirty-three. I uh, don't think this is quite as high. I don't What's think that? this breaks the top 100. It's this. This isn't as good as those those Sentinel stories. No, I was I was gonna say so. Down at 100, we have uh, like you mentioned, um, Un- Uncanny Volume Two, One to Three. Everything is sinister, and I think that that is better. I think the Magneto story, Magneto Triumphant at 107, is better. That's 111 to 113 of Uncanny. Yeah. Um, how do you? I, I think this might be 
I don't know. It's probably not as good as 150, which is Uncanny X-Men 143. Demon? No, Demon's better. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, so we're working our way down. Kitty's Fairy Tale One- is better at, at 160. Yeah. You know, I, I think this might be better than at 175, uh, the Dracula issue, Uncanny 159. What do you yeah, think about that? I think that's right. Um, okay. I think all new X or all new Wolverine Enemy of the State 2 is better than this, though. Okay. Yeah, and right above that is Battle of the Atom. And I think this is better than Wolverine the X-Men 5 to 7, where uh, Kitty gets pregnant. So this would be our new 173. You ever think about some of the stories we ranked early in the show and like, hey, maybe, maybe in retrospect, we would have done something differently. (laughs) Is this where this goes? I guess it is. This is 173. X-Men 97. My brother, my enemy. Yeah. Uh, So already Havoc has been abducted and mind controlled in this episode. And, um, well... We, we, we need to <laughs> switch things up a little bit and find another time that he has been taken advantage of. So where are we going next? Well, the next time we're going to take advantage of Havoc is actually, I think, his first appearance after he gets done being mind-controlled. Interesting. Really, it's the first real story with that. It's a story from 1978. It's got a Dave Cockrum cover. But the interiors are by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. It's Marvel Team-Up 69 and 70. Spider-Man teams up with Havoc and then Thor. Yeah. And this is the two issues uh, that that are right before John Byrne starts actually doing Uncanny, right? So this is actually, uh, 170 is at least, where they go from Uncanny X-Men being a bi-monthly comic to a monthly comic. Uh, because here's mm. the thing. Dave Cockrum wasn't very fast. <laughs> <laughs> takes time to make great art. It does take time to make great art. So we got John Byrne. Who, uh, listen, 70s John Byrne and 80s John Byrne. I do enjoy that art. I think John Byrne may be the weakest of the main artists on the Claremont run. He just happened to have the most important stories. That's not to say John Byrne in the 80s wasn't a pretty decent uh, penciler. He's a pretty decent yeah. penciler in here, though. Uh, he's got Ricardo Villamonte doing his inks, which it's weird because it's not Terry Austin. <laughs> oh, you can definitely tell there's a difference. I mean, this is not up to the quality of what we saw in Uncanny X-Men, but um, it also sounds like Byrne is working on multiple books at the same time. So yeah. it's kind of understandable. Yeah, what's, what's funny, I think, and I forget where I heard this, but someone once told me, that Terry Austin is really a great inker because he has this amazing ability to make everybody he inks looks look like 1980s John Byrne. <laughs> That's part of it. I mean, it's it's really interesting how Austin like augments people's styles, like, and 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 makes it sort of become iconic. Like I I think about uh, Art Adams and um, a variety of different artists that he's worked with. Um, but anyway, this story is uh, an interesting one because we're returning back to Havoc's Silver Age origin story. Um, and the living Pharaoh appears to um, want Havoc again because we've got these little, like, you know, dudes wearing the King Tut hats uh, following him around in little spaceships. Do you ever think how Ahmet Abdul, the living, mo- or the living Pharaoh, 
uh, the living monolith was one of the 12. Like there was a certain point <laughs> where they said, no, yes. he should be one of the most important, powerful mutants. Yep. That is true. They keep um, doing things with him and they shouldn't. I, I really love that uh, to accomplish their master plan, they do have to get the living Pharaoh's mystical onk. Um, and that is how Spider-Man gets gets involved in this because he, he sees them stealing this through a door and can't stop them because he gets caught up in his own webbing. Oh, yeah, this uh, is Marvel I mean, Team-Up. Y'all know Marvel Team-Up is a Spider-Man book, right? Like, Spider-Man's the main <laughs> character. Did we not introduce that? We've covered a lot of Marvel Team-Ups. I, we, we I assume people know things like that, but also I know our audience is X-Men readers, and folks, love you to death. We know X-Men readers don't read things that aren't X-Men. <laughs> which is you know i'm starting to realize i need to go back and read some of this stuff because there's so much crossover i mean we've got polaris calling beast at avengers mansion uh which is then beast traveling uh which then gets picked up back in claremont's x-men yeah and really i guess the point here is that that the pharaoh is going to encase havoc in this sort of like living tomb it's the same so thing he, he was going to do in the silver age story right so that he can become the living monolith and you know go knock down buildings godzilla style i guess right yeah it's um so it's a bad plot havoc wildly ineffective in this team up <laughs> immediately gets knocked out and put into a tomb. by a by a henchman he, not, not even, even by the not even the living monolith it's by yeah. just, it's by uh, a member of the, the cult of the Pharaoh or whatever it is. Yep. Dude just chops him in the neck and it's like, he's already out. It is absolutely, absolutely wild. <laughs> yeah. So Havoc, uh, you know, gets subdued fairly easily. Um, I gotta appreciate the living Pharaoh's costume change. Cause he's anticipating turning into the living monolith. He thinks you know, this he, through. He does. He's he's gone and like gotten his living monolith outfit on, and the whole second issue is Thor and Spider Man teaming up to try and punch the crap out of the living monolith and help Havoc escape from his like little coffin. What what had happened is Thor saw Beast running away. And he's like, huh? I wonder if anything's going on tonight. And then he finds <laughs> Spider Man. He's like, hey, what's up? I'm your friend Thor. Thor, I'm I'm the good Avenger. I am the I'm the Avenger who's an ally to mutants because Walt Simonson was friends with Claremont in the eighties. So now Thor gets a pass. That's right. And he's also like, whoa, a big big thing for me to hit with my hammer. Dust Let's out. go. Man, I love <laughs> I do love Thor. I love how excitable <laughs> Thor is. Like, he's a golden retriever. He's got a big hammer. He sees he sees a giant monster. He's like, giant monster, let's go. <laughs> and he's not super happy that he can't just immediately knock the big thing down. It's like, so, what's up, I'm uh... Thor? I'm supposed to be able to do this. <laughs> Why didn't we get a Claremont Thor? Honestly, hold on. Honestly, I think Claremont could write a pretty good Thor. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've seen enough great Claremont Asgard stuff. Um, there's no reason. He would have been good at Thor. He couldn't Actually. have done it. You know what I mean? He's no, got he a had no time. He had no time to do this. And no. by the time Walt Simonson got it, I don't think Thor was like, hey, Walt, I know you're, I know you just, you just stopped. What if I did it? What if, <laughs> what if I did Thor now? No, he wasn't going to no do that. No, he's too single-minded by that point. Um, so long it story short. It would have been short, Thor and his best friend, Kitty Pride. <laughs> it would have been Storm. Uh, oh my gosh. Thor. What if they get Claremont to write a <laughs> 
like a Thor miniseries right now, and then it ends up being, hey, this is Thor, and also Sage is here. <laughs> DH Storm and Gambit. It's it's <laughs> it's Thor, and then he's uh he's for some reason tracking down Bloody Bess and uh and her in her pirates. Uh well, the only way to solve the living monolith here is uh, for Spider-Man to, I guess, use his Spidey sense to hack his way into the, the coffin um, and steal the mystic Ankh from around Havoc's uh, neck, which uh, then Havoc wakes up and uh, really Thor then is able to like punch the living daylights out of the living monolith. Well, because the living you know? monolith just turns back into a dude and Thor's like... I'm so good at punching dudes. Watch this. Oh, Boom. I got this. Yeah. And uh, the story ends with Havoc being like, oh, man, like Lorna is still out there. I got to go. Go. They, find they her started. They her. started. They were on Muir Island uh, and right, they were on right. a walk. And uh, the 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 mummy men threw uh, through Polaris into the ocean and kidnapped <laughs> Havoc. And he's like, Polaris is probably still in the ocean. Not thinking that. <laughs> Uh, she climbed out. It's been like two days, Alex, buddy. <laughs> Polaris is just mad. Right. She she was soaking wet and came inside. Um, so they fly, he flies off with Thor, and uh, that is the end of the story. So um, another example of Havoc just, you know, on a dumb adventure. If it helps, Spider-Man also feels like he's on a dumb adventure to the point he's like, man, you know what? I helped the Avengers fight Thanos recently, and I wasn't any use there, and I'm not any use here. No, what am he really I doing isn't. with my life? Yeah, and, uh, you know, the, I do appreciate there is some humor here, and, like, they all recognize just how ridiculous this whole situation is, Listen, uh, including the costumes of their villains. And I know it doesn't uh, get as much, like, play as his other stuff. Claremont's Marvel team-ups pretty, is pretty fun as far as Marvel team-up goes. Yeah, I don't like, know. Marvel Team-Up's uneven as a book. Claremont's stuff is really good, actually. I, I would agree. I Not would this agree. one. This one's, this <laughs> one's just kind of silly. But that's that's kind of what you want out of Marvel Team-Up, I think. Can you believe yeah. this book went on for 150 issues? <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I just pulled uh, that number up at 111 uh, as Marvel Team-Up 150, which I do think is better than this. 150 is better. Um, yeah, down at uh, two sixty seven, we have Marvel team up one forty nine, which is um, no, that one's better. Things. That's the that's the Cannonball one where he has to buy his mom a fancy hat. Oh right. Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. Um, down Marvel at team up one hundred is at two ninety three. Yeah, that's the first Karma story in the Storm Black Panther hmm. stuff. That one's better. I, yeah, especially the I think well the Storm and Black Panther stuff is a little bit developing, but I I do think that that's better. Listen, uh, that's, that 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 story has prob the the Karma story has problems. Yeah, but also it's better. Mm. All the way down at four seventy nine, we have Marvel Team Up Volume Three Number Nineteen, which I do not. That's what that is. that's the Robert Kirkman. Uh, oh, team up. The, yeah, that's not good. This is better um, this than is that. This, this is better, better than, than that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is better than Cataclysm that... Ultimate X-Men. All right, what number is that at? That's at 442. 
Yeah. Um, well, what do we have at 400? 400 right now is AVX 13 through 18 Captain America plus Cyclops. Yeah, no. That's too. That's that's all better. Um, so 450 is Judgment War. I think Judgment War is better than this. This is better than 407, the No More Humans OGN. Uh, wait, what's that at? 470? 407. 407. Oh, wait. I'm confused. You want to go back up? Wait. I was saying that I was saying that A plus X is better than this at 400. Oh, see. Yeah, I agree. But you I think was, it's better than No More Humans? I think it's probably better than No More Humans. Yeah, I don't know about that. Okay. Well, I'm... I'm I feel like I I I went lower because uh, all right at 442 you said Cataclysm Ultimate X Men is this better than that I, I don't think, think this is better than like Firestar at 441 really it's I mean, probably better good. than like it's better than Five Lights at 445 it is better than the Five Lights story it's not better than Enemy of the Estate at 438 that's uh, probably not okay that's fine we can make Firestar better I actually don't care about this Marvel team up issue that much. <laughs> It's number 442 now. That's a perfect place for it. I think I think that's a good one. It doesn't bode yeah. well for our next story. I'll tell you what. <laughs> this next one is just absolutely ludicrous. Um, and this comes to As us from the As is the tradition. Yeah. Uh, this comes to us from Marvel Comics Presents. Um, what is this story called? Pharaoh's Legacy? Uh, it's called... Hold on. Yeah, Pharaoh's Legacy. Pharaoh's Legacy, okay. Now, we had already seen in Marvel Comics Presents uh, uh, Cyclops Retribution, which we've talked about on the show. Mm-hmm. We also saw the Colossus uh, God's Country, which is, I, I always like that one. Um, this Don't one... Weapon X. Weapon X is a pretty pretty okay one <laughs> that they did in this. Yeah, we're not there yet with, with Marvel Comics Presents. With uh, This is issues, what, 24 through 31? And what's our creative team here? Creative team is Howard Mackey and Rich Buckler. Okay. And okay. brother, this is a Howard Mackey comic in that it's not good. <sighs> Howard Mackey, oh, who famously once ghost wrote a book as an anonymous writer by the name of X. Because, you know what? Not telling people who wrote it was going to sell more comics than a Howard Mackey comic. <laughs> That's that's the comic brotherhood that got canceled because of 9/11 and when 9/11 happened know. Marvel was like let's not do a terrorist comic okay let's yeah. have ecstatics literally just murder everybody probably a better decision um it's a now, wild last issue of, of a series oh, ecstatics yeah. is doing a parade and they just like nonchalantly murder these folks which is a great ecstatics plot honestly mm-hmm. oh 100% that fits in there no problem um this happens during the Australian Outback era of X-Men. Havoc has already uh, been through Inferno. And he's been through Meltdown. Yeah. And so this is... <laughs> this is round three for Havoc Lady Trouble. <laughs> Havoc, in the middle of the Outback, meets a pretty lady by the name of Layla O'Toole. She gets captured by, by the Pharaoh Men. And... She tells him this sob story about how she ran into the cult of the living pharaoh and they were going to sacrifice a human in honor of the living pharaoh. So Havoc tries to stop them. Yeah. 
Yeah, there are more people in sort of like this is so funny whenever there's uh living pharaoh people like hunting havoc they're always in these little like spaceships <laughs> they just happen to have these things these little gliders um spoiler alert uh miss o'toole is lying to havoc she is not actually on the run they are actually of course after havoc and trying to bring him back to the cult. To do a living pharaoh thing. She's a honeypot. Uh, she's actually the daughter of the living pharaoh. And her name is Plasma. Plasma. She's not um, interesting. Or her good yeah, character. Yeah, uh, the, the cult members all kind of look like extras from Crocodile Dundee. Um, you know, the trackers... They're they're not the typical guys with the the King Tut headdresses, um, you know. They they have the hat with the one side folded up, and you know they they wouldn't be out of place, you know, with the Reavers or something like that. Not that they have robot parts, but you know, they just kind of look like scraggly dudes with right. guns. It's a Havoc doesn't do well in this, and that's that's part of the thing is that Havoc's bad at his job, and his job is being a superhero. <laughs> Uh, he he falls head over heels for her no questions asks you know it's just like meltdown just like meltdown he has to call on on wolverine for help uh later on in this story this thing goes on forever even though it's told like five pages at a time yeah it's it's not a good use of the marvel comics presents uh format which was you know short like five eight page stories uh serialized week to week was marvel comics presents weekly or bi-weekly oh man i didn't realize it came out that quickly well bi-weekly? yeah it did because okay. it had to okay so this one covered I mean, it, it makes was... sense you're cranking out these tiny short stories well in marvel comics presents volume one started september 88 mm-hmm. and it went 75 issue or 175 issues to march of 95 wow so se- 175 issues in seven years. Yeah, they were, I mean, they were doing one the of work. the uh, one of the results here of of stretching this out over so many issues is that you get nonsense. You know, like there's an entire chapter that is basically just Havoc walks into a bar and like beats everybody up for ostensibly no real information whatsoever. Um, you probably could have told this story in like 10 pages. Uh, that's how much content is here, <laughs> but it's, it's eventually when he, yeah, eventually when he gets there, he realizes the twist and that O'Toole has been plasma, and um, we get one of the most ridiculous endings to any X Men story I think we have ever read here. Um, <laughs> when Havoc solves, I don't think solves is the right answer, but just concludes the story by punching a woman in the face and looking real sad and going home. It's very dumb. What havoc does here. (laughs) Like (laughs) I love him. He's an idiot. (laughs) The last panel of the, the last page of this story is havoc looking like the saddest puppy dog you could possibly ever find it's like from one of those sarah mclaughlin uh you know support animal shelter an angel. His, it's I'll not just his face <laughs> lady she honey potted me 
for the third time in a week. His um, what do you what do you call his hat? What do you call the trifold hat he's got on? The Havoc's, uh, Havoc's bad hat. Yeah, but it I hate his hat. I think his hat looks really bad. Actually, people like that but design. It, I do not care for it. But it droops. Like it's one of the most amazing things. Like in Meltdown, Wolverine's hair drooped. Right? It wasn't right. pointing. It was kind of like floppy. And at the end of this story, to really get how sad Havoc is, his his little rings on top of his head droop into a downward angle over his sad, sad eyes, and it's just ridiculous. This is a terrible story. It's not very good. Hey, do you do you know whatever happened to Layla O'Toole? I would assume that after she got punched in the face by Havoc, that really that must have just solved the situation, you know? And, you would and... be wrong. Because, <laughs> Adam, you've not read Mark Spector Moon Knight 25. Oh, get out. She comes back in Moon Knight? That's fantastic. Also a Howard Mackey comic. It's the one run of Moon Knight I've not read uh, because it was the '90s one, and it's not well collected. And also, wow. as a as a general Moon Knight connoisseur, no one's pulling anything from Mark Spector Moon Knight. <laughs> no, no one cares about Mark Spector Moon Knight. Uh, but what apparently happens is, uh, Layla Layla decides uh, to recruit cultists into one massive army, uh, oh. including cultists. For the living pharaoh and also for Khonshu. Uh, you know wow. Khonshu. He's yeah. uh, he's the god of the moon. Uh, oh my goodness. Who, who Mark Spector... De- Mark Spector, what he did is... He was he was a bastard in a in a mercenary group. And he died under the uh, under the statue of Khonshu. And then he stood up. <laughs> it's not a terrible plan, actually. Uh, now, that, now that you bring it up. No. You know? uh, anyway... She she does end up like disintegrating Ghost Rider somehow. Whoa! He gets better. He gets better. Uh, but she starts to she starts to get into a fight with Moon Knight, and the fight gets to uh, the subway, and uh, a train's coming, and Moon Knight gets out of the way of the train. But anyway, that's not. the last time we've ever seen Lilo. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, X fans would be forgiven uh, if they have not read this particular story. Um, if you go to look it up on Marvel Unlimited, you will find the issues. But you will only find the Black Panther story that was running concurrently to this one. To be uh, fair, Panther's find... Quest ran in almost every issue of Marvel Comics Presents. <laughs> ran for a while. And obviously that must have been collected somewhere else. But uh, you're not Well, I don't find... know if you heard. There was a pretty major, uh, major motion yeah. picture uh, featuring the Black Panther. I, I, I've seen it. Uh, it's a pretty good movie. Um so Pharaoh's legacy is not uh, was not jumping off the shelves here, I don't think. Um, and I think this is no, probably the Pharaoh's worst. Pharaoh's legacy is a bad comic. Yeah, this is probably the worst of the three that we talked about today. I mean, the art's not good, the writing is not good, and uh, you know, it's it's really just kind of recapping a lot of Havoc's greatest hits here in a very bad way. What it's funny because you say greatest hits, and they're absolutely the worst hits. No one should ever do a comic about Havoc knowing where Egypt is again. <laughs> it's okay it that he didn't finish his dissertation. He's got a lot of weird thoughts about Egypt that probably baffling. Are... Right. Yeah, it's baffling that they they returned to this as many times as they did. It is not a good well to dip. Do you know into. the last? So... When do you think the last time the Living Pharaoh has shown up as like an antagonist? I want it. This sounds like somebody that Jason Aaron would bring in on his like Avengers run or something. 
so close. It is oh. actually in Amazing X Men though. Oh really? But it okay. was uh, it was when Kyle and Yost did a couple of arcs at the end of that run. All right. Well, that could be fun. Was it fun or was it terrible? no? No. It was stupid. <laughs> no. Uh, he gets Juggernaut powers. No. 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 Why? I don't know. He really wanted to be tall again. I don't. Okay. It's a weird story. I, if I remember right, all the X Men sit around and be like, well, this guy has Juggernaut powers now. We're not going to do. Let's have a campfire. Yeah. It's very weird. Anyway, this is um, this is not as good as five hundred four Ghost Rider sixty seven to sixty eight Brood Feud two. Yeah, we're uh, we're definitely in the five hundreds. Um, this is not as good as Beauty and the Beast at five hundred nine, uh, or Iceman Volume One at five eighteen. It's not as good as that time when Beast joined the Avengers at five twenty six. No, uh, it is not. And it's definitely not. I still don't know why this is so low. More because it's bad. Away. You read it and you were like, oh, wait, no, this story's bad. I just read it a lot when I was eight. Yeah, no, you're right. It's not great. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's all. I think... That's all, Adam. That one was just the hard truth we all had to accept. <laughs> uh, first six issues of X Factor, I think, are still better than this. That's at 543. They really are, aren't they? And those are not good. I mean, I think the I think X Man five through seven, the man who fell to Earth, was is better than this. Yeah, I I would agree. How um, do you feel about it compared to one of the most forgettable comics of all time? <laughs> we highlighted two different incredibly forgettable <laughs> comics in the same spot, uh, which was Spider Man and X Factor Shadow Games or X Men Liberators. All right, so at five fifty six, we have Crimson Dawn. I think Crimson Dawn is probably better than this. Blah, blah, blah. Extreme X-Men 5 to 9 is what story? That's the you know one. It doesn't matter because that's that's still going to be better than this. Um, but I, this is about the same as Liberators, right? It's about the same as Liberators. Okay. Uncanny X-Men 442 to 443 of Darkest Nights. Which one is that? That's Is that, a, is that the end of the Austin run? Yes, that's no, that's that's um they go when they back go to, Ma- to when they go Genosha. To, yeah, when they go to Genosha, that one's better than this. Yeah, I would agree. So this is better this... than X Men Secret Invasion at five sixty four. Yeah, uh, is it better? I think it's probably a little bit better than both of the Phoenix War Song and Song. See, I was gonna um, say, I was gonna say that those are better. The Phoenix okay. stories are. All right, so that leaves Young X-Men number seven at 563. I'm going to give Young X-Men number seven the the nod here, because I think the art on that one's better, though I couldn't tell you who does the art on that one. All right, uh, so this is buried all the way down at 564. Man, Havoc having a rough day today. Can I tell you something that's really disheartening? <laughs> What's that? We've, we've read 45 X-Men stories that we've decided are worse. <laughs> there's always you know the, there, the thing there's is, always the worse thing is, here the thing is that most people haven't read 45 x-men stories and we were like <laughs> this one's terrible we've wet, read 45 that are even worse oh my goodness why well, do we do uh, this to ourselves who knows at least they're telling good havoc stories these days right hellions rules Guys, yeah. I don't think we have to tell you to go pick up Hellions, but if you haven't, go pick up Hellions. It's done now. Zeb Wells, uh, Steven Segovia, who Good else? Rose, Rose Antonio and uh, 
Carmen Carnero. I think that's the that's all of the artists on it. Anyway, it's great. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Great stuff, even. And you know who else is great? Robert. Robert, our Patreon supporter. Uh, if you want to be like Robert again, go to patreon.com slash comicsxf. It's nice. Just do it. Come on. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. Come on. You know you want to. Yeah, I'm not doing in. a hard sell. I had to I did I had to do sales all day. I don't want to do sales for a hobby. <laughs> That's not fun for me. We're not even talking about fan filter units or backward incline wheels. Oh man, the HVAC terms just keep flying here. Uh Bud, here's the thing. I got I got a customer who's trying to use a forward curve wheel in a fan filter unit, and I'm sitting there like, we can help you here. But what you really need is a backward incline solution to deal with those high static pressures. I was just going to say the same thing. It's obvious. (laughs) And I understand that backward incline wheels have a higher noise out of them. But you have to balance that with getting a large enough wheel for your system so that it can run at low enough RPMs so that you can mitigate that while still getting a premium efficiency. Wow. Folks, I'm Adam Reck. You can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Arthur Stacy. Zach, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we're going to talk about the upcoming changes uh, to the SEER 2023 regulations impacting <laughs> uh, the HVAC industry, specifically on the residential side. Uh, but then also we're going to talk about things where uh, uh, James Proudstar, uh, James Proudstar gets some play and very nice. excited about that. But until then, folks, this has been Battle of the Adam, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it!